from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Through nobody's fault but his own, every single word that Aaron Rodgers ever says for the rest of his career in front of a microphone will be overanalyzed. And we do that every year when it comes to him, when it comes to where he's going to play, what he wants to do. But what are we supposed to do when the words he's speaking are about his possible replacement? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and of course, your smart speakers. All you got to do is tell them, hey! Play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Um, Harry, I get I get having words translated. I'm a, I, can, we're going to be honest here. I'm just going to be friends with you for a minute. I'm going I'm to confess something to you. This morning... Well, we're friends every day. I know, I know. That, that is facts. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to confess something to you. I got up super early this morning, right? So I'm throwing the ball with Annabelle in the dark because I, I like to... I like She needs to get a little exercise before I go to Orange Theory, right? So I come back. Mm-hmm. I come back and she's sitting down. She's looking at me like, Dad, where have you been? And I sat there and I gave her my entire day schedule. I don't know why I gave my dog my entire day schedule, oh, but I gave okay. my dog my entire like, okay, so I'm going to leave here. Then I'm going to come back. We'll get a little playtime. Then I got to go back to work for this. <laughs> then I got to go pick up my car and then we'll come back. You'll get a little playtime here. And I'm just staring at her at the end of it, realizing that like I'm an idiot because if I'm gone for five minutes or five hours, she's going to react the same. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you're here. Thank you so much. And then when I leave, she's going to be like, how could you already be leaving? I get it. Like, you know, sometimes... <laughs> I found myself talking to a dog, so I get the translation has to happen. I don't have kids, though. Is that a good excuse? Like, since I don't, I'm not sitting there talking to kids. I'm just talking in my house alone to my dog. This Trust sounds me, sadder. I have to explain okay. when I'm leaving home every single time to my <laughs> oh, daughter. That, that is, and, tr- and oh my gosh, she is the queen of trying to manipulate me to not leave home. Trust me. <laughs> I I but have Daddy, seen why? some of this. Like, <laughs> you want to watch Harry Douglas melt? All you have, like, the minute. Any of his babies call like like when your kids call you, you just there's a different <laughs> HD. Suddenly Harry Douglas is like, I'm sorry, I'm gone. Like I feel it to my core for you, brother. Like I, I and and that's a, a child that can actually communicate with you. I like I, I'm afraid to Annabelle. Like maybe I'll get her one of those pads where like I don't know if you've seen these videos where they can step on buttons and it makes them talk to their owners. But I think mm-hmm. then I would just never leave the house. Uh, it's where I'm anyway, I, I feel like sometimes Annabelle would be a more succinct communicator than one Aaron Rodgers is because everything he says is just like draped in this disgusting, I don't know, like moment of take me seriously because I'm smarter than you and I'm gonna say it's so smart that you have to dissect everything and you never know the intent of my word. Like he's got a microphone in front of him and he doesn't make anything easy, which includes his conversation with Pat McAfee about the Packers possibly going to Jordan Love. This is what Aaron had to say. You know, most teams in the middle of the pack aren't going to say, hey, we're going to rebuild, you know, unless we have a crazy cap situation. So, but it's a mindset, you know, if they want to go younger and, and think Jordan's ready to go, then they're, then that might be the way they want to go. And if that's the case and I still want to play, then there's only one option, right? That's to play somewhere else. Translate it for me, AC. What's he really saying? <laughs> well, first of all, let's say this Aaron Rodgers is the king of subliminal messages. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he said there, most teams in the middle of the pack would not be trying to rebuild. So that's another subliminal subliminal message to the Green Bay Packers, per se. But also, he mentioned that that's if the organization feels like Jordan Love 
is ready and they're ready to move on to Jordan Love. Now, if there's one person that understands and knows if Jordan Love is ready to take over this franchise and be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers because he's there every single day. Not the offseason because he skipped that. Uh, but he's there from training camp up until the last game of the season every single day with Jordan Love, and he sees him. Not to mention he also, I know, talks to the general manager, talks to the head coach. And from what we've seen transpire the last few offseason – off seasons, he's going to be in the know of what's going on. Like, that's evident. We know that now. So is he subliminally trying to say that Jordan Love isn't particularly ready to take over the Green Bay Packers organization, but trying to say it in a way to where it's kind of deceived and like he's not really trying to say it? Because I think he knows a lot more than he's actually expressing. If you were in the peak of Harry Douglas play, and you walked in, mm-hmm. and I'm standing on the sideline, and they hand me a helmet, and they're like, man, we're going to go with this guy, I think, for a game. You would look at the coaches and be like, hey, man, you think he's ready. You go ahead. Go on out. Roll him on out there, right? Like, <laughs> roll him on out there. If in my prime of touring, I'd walked on the tour bus, and they had had almost any other fiddle player in the world up there, and they'd been like, he's going to play the show tonight, I would have been like, I welcome him the opportunity to do that. When someone's not a threat, that's your response. When, it, it, however, if at the peak of Harry Douglas's greatness, if you'd have come in and there was somebody else that you knew could ball, was like standing on the sideline, we're like, would have give him a role this week? You'd have been like, nope, no, 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 this is my spot. You know what I'm saying? So like the fact that he is so flippant with Eve, you think Jordan Love is ready, that tells you that Aaron Rodgers doesn't believe that Jordan Love is ready. That tells you that Aaron Rodgers believes essentially he can tell the, the Packers, you know, go ahead. You want to get cute with it, up yours. Like that's what that feels like and and if that's not what what if we're reading into it too much if that's what Aaron Rodgers wants to say next week when he yells at the national media I would simply (laughs) challenge Aaron Rodgers like cool clarify it simplify it say what you mean well and I will say this though Fitz just like we say you know the GM and the head coach and ownership they see Jordan Love every single day Mm mm-hmm so does Aaron Rodgers. And you know, right. He sees Jordan Love every single day. You know you knew, right? Like, that's a weird statement to say, but follow me. Well, when, as soon as, as, soon as we practice. heard, as soon as we heard, though, bro, we, the sound, that's the first thing came to my mind is, okay, Aaron Rodgers is saying something, and he's trying to make it like he's not really saying something, but we all know there are mixed messages and subliminal messages and everything that Aaron Rodgers say because he does feel like he's the smartest person in the room and that he can say slick things without people, you know, really realizing what he's saying. And nobody knows the strengths and weaknesses of somebody more than the people that are in that same room. Like you knew, I, I knew the good, the good and the bad of every musician I ever toured with, right? Like you mm-hmm. knew the good and the bad of every wide receiver you were ever in a wide receiver room with, right? Like, bro, so uh, uh, of of my teammates, period. Every one, every last one of my teammates, I knew the strengths and weaknesses of Roddy White, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Devin Hester, Tony Gonzalez. I knew the the strength and weaknesses of our center, of our our guards, our tackles, every single person on our team. And Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback, uh, the quote-unquote face of the franchise. So he knows that. 
He knows that as well. He knows that the kid can play, right? And and you're right. Gutekunst, Lafleur, they see him every day. They're going to have to make a decision on if they're comfortable with Jordan Love. And that's a decision only they can make, right? Uh, and yeah. it's not going to be an easy decision for them to make, certainly. But the one thing that I think has really made that even more difficult over the course of the last couple of years is that Aaron Rodgers has played incredibly well. And Aaron Rodgers is the face of the franchise. Well, he yeah. didn't play quite as well this year. For No matter what the reason, mm. he didn't play quite as well this year. And I believe even the fans of the franchise have to, at some point, start rolling their eyes. Those are the little cracks in the foundation that allow the organization the opportunity to decide it's time to make a change. It's like he is opening the door with them simply because of the way he's handling all of this. It doesn't have to be this complicated. And if he's going to be asked these questions, he can answer them either in a very direct way or he cannot answer them at all. But when he comes in with this passive-aggressive junk, like this is what happens. And I will say this, Fitz. In all the years I played in the National Football League, when you have a star player, a superstar player, they can get away with a lot more, more so than a regular player may be able to get away with. But at some point, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, there has to be a line drawn and saying and tell him, hey, you're not crossing this line. It has to be. Well, there was no line drawn for the Cowboys. Breaking news. Want to make sure you guys know this. The Cowboys are sticking with kicker Brett Maher for Sunday's divisional playoff at San Francisco, according to Todd Archer. So we now know the Cowboys are making no change. That is official at this point, again, according to Todd Archer. We'll keep you updated on anything else we find out. Meanwhile, we're watching currently, right now, the best player to ever play his position. And his name isn't Tom Brady. We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jokic has it at the point. Hands off behind him over to Gordon. Now you attack. Gordon inside the arc. He attacks the paint. Hands it off to Joker. Layup. Good! The best passing big man ever thing, it's over. Like, that's done. He's the best passing big man ever. I agree with you that at the end, we're going to regard him. I mean, it sounds crazy to say. He's going to be in the conversation with, like, Magic Johnson and Jason Kidd and John Stockton and LeBron James and Luka Doncic and whoever else you want to name as the best passers of all time. That's how good he is. Incredible praise for a player that, frankly, if he walked into the local Starbucks, most of you wouldn't even know what he looks like. And he's the best player in the NBA. Leaves us a lot to break down on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. You know it. We like it when our Wolfpack grows by one, and that one is the one and only ESPN NBA analyst, Kendrick Perkins. Perk, let's start with what you just heard from the Low Post podcast, that uh, it's no longer about best passing center or big man. It's about being one of the best passers ever. You buying that Jokic argument? I am. I am. And he's right up there with Magic Johnson, LeBron James, uh, you know, all the top point guards to ever play this game. I mean, when you just look at it, that's why I don't just call him a big man. I don't just call him a center. I call him a point center. Um, the way the game is played, the evolution of the game, you know, his versatile package, the way he's able to push the ball up the floor, you're able to run multiple sets and actions that he can be affected by passing the ball. And it's not just his passing ability and his uh how creative he is, it's also 
when he's passing, especially the shooters, it's on time on target. Like they're not having to reach up high or reach down low. Like it's right in their shooting pocket. I mean, this guy Jokic, all team whack body, is just something special. <laughs> something special. <laughs> I was waiting for a big perk. I was oh, waiting for it at some happen. point. When was it going to come? I had to give it to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everything you just mentioned about Jokic is 100% right. You look over the last five-year perk. He's a guy that has averaged over seven assists uh, in each of the last five years. This year, he's at 9.8, uh, two-tenths shy of a triple-double right now in the National Basketball Association, which is not easy to do. And a lot of people think they can just go out there and have, you know, nine, seven, six assists. doesn't work like that. you got to be skillful. And like you mentioned, the passes have to be on target. You have to hit shooters in stride. Uh, when you're throwing passes deep, you have to hit guys in stride as well. So it's m- far more difficult than people really understand. But when you look at the Denver Nuggets, and I wanted to ask you about their team in, as a whole, and right now they have the one seed, right, by half of a game over the Memphis Grizzlies. Do you see them – with the return of a Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. competing to win the West and make it to a NBA Finals? Absolutely. Hell yeah, I do. And let me explain why. One, if they get home court advantage throughout the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference, they're going to win. Because we all know about playing in Denver and how that altitude takes a toll on your body. That's the number one thing. Number two, you mentioned, right, Jokic and Murray and Michael Porter Jr. We know what we're going to get out of those guys on a night-to-night basis. We we have seen all those guys rise to the occasion when it matters the most. But it's the others for me, man. It's the others. It's the addition of uh, continuous Caldwell Pope and what he's brought to the table, his championship experience, you know, playing both ends of the floor, being able to stretch the floor, knock down threes at a at a high level. And then you look at a guy like Bruce Brown, who they picked up in the offseason as well, a guy that is so versatile, could switch one through fives on, on the defensive end, a piss, high-energy guy. Um, also a guy that is great at slashing, and he's been knocking down his three-point shots. And then you look at Bones Holland coming in off the bench, the wild card, six-man, how they use him. You know, he's, he comes off the bench and he's instant offense, instant energy, a fan favorite. And Michael Malone expects big things out of him. He, he criticizes him in the media. He responds in great fashion. But the guy who I've been impressed with the most is Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon has finally lived up or rose to what we expect him to be. And I'm not saying an all-NBA caliber player, but I'm looking at what he's doing right now, man. He's shooting 60% from the field. He's using that big frame, that, that, that you know physical specimen. He's using every part of that, and he is the perfect match alongside Jokic. Because we have to remember this. The last time the Denver Nuggets went to the Western Conference Finals, they had Jeremy Grant. And when they lost Jeremy Grant, they have been trying to fill that void ever since. And they got that in Aaron Gordon and more. This team is dangerous. They're well coached. They have the superstar and star power. And they have the role pieces. And if they get home court advantage throughout the Western Conference, I got them booked to go into the NBA Finals. Now, when you look at a team like the Boston Celtics who made the finals last year, 
but you look at their roster and they have nothing but, you know, wing guys that can switch one through five. You look at the Denver Nuggets. You can kind of put them in that same category of guys that have size and you can switch one through five multiple times. Now, Jokic, sometimes it, it's, it's a mismatch there. He's the one chess piece in doing that. But everyone else on the court, you have that luxury of switching um, when you have a high-powered off- offensive team. Right. But, but here's the difference, right? The Celtics. I love the Celtics. Uh, they're my favorite right now for us coming out of the Eastern Conference, but they are in the tougher conference. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you look at the West, I'm looking at it, and right now I'm looking at Memphis and I'm looking at, at Denver, and they should be the clear-cut favorites. Like I understand Golden State, you can't dismiss them, and I get all that. But I'm talking about the way that they're playing. But you look at the Eastern Conference, you have the Milwaukee Bucks. You have the Philadelphia 76ers who are playing well right now. Just those two teams alone and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, you have those four teams that can never sleep on the Miami Heat. It's just going to be a harder path for the Boston Celtics than the Denver Nuggets. I actually think the top two teams that are in the Western Conference are going to be in the Conference Finals. And that's the Memphis Grizzlies and the Denver Nuggets. And I think it's going to come down to who has home court advantage? If Memphis have the one seed, they're going to win the series. If Denver have the one seed, they're going to win the series. All right. So, Perk, I'm going to be honest with you, right? We're all family here. Uh, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm subbing in on hoop streams tonight. Streisky got stuck somewhere in Dublin. I don't know. He didn't make his flight. So they called me. They're like, we need you on hoop streams tonight. ESPN NBA doubleheader, Timberwolves at Nuggets. That's a late game, 10 p.m. Eastern. But we're going to be previewing Hawks at Mavericks, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm, I've got my pen in my hand. Give me something really smart that I can lay on the world to look for in this Hawks-Mavericks matchup tonight that is must-see TV that I can blatantly steal from you and call my own tonight on hoop streams well you know what let's hit i got something for you oh yeah so we always every time you mention luca people think of trey young and when you mention trey young people think of luca these are the games right here that trey young could actually remind people who the hell he is because luca has had so much separation over the last like you know since the start of the season that people not even putting trey young in that top tier now, with the Hawks playing well, Trey Young has the opportunity on the when the lights hit the ice on the on the bright stage tonight. People are going to be watching to show that hey, I'm still here and I'm still one of those super superstar caliber players. Yeah, I know I'm going to steal that tonight. I know I'm not going to deliver it as cool as you do. <laughs> I just saw that there's intramurals for ESPN. By the way, I'm just throwing this out. Perk, Harry Douglas. I walk in. We take anybody on three on three. I just, just don't give me the ball. I'll talk all yeah. the talk. Though. I'll talk all the talk. Yeah. Perk, I'm I need a, that pick and roll. Ball. I need that pick and roll, Perk. I need that pick and roll, I, baby. I, yeah. Look, look. I'm not. I'm not rolling. My legs won't let me do it. But I tell you what, throw it to me in the inside and just cut, Harry. I'll find you. You know what? I got you. I'm just gonna stand there as the third <laughs> member of our team the whole time, saying, "Ball's going to Perk. You can't stop it." That's look, all. Like, I'm do. Like, like my brother used to throw it to Perk in practice. Perk, but look, little brother used to throw it to you in the post. Man, big broken do it too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Kendrick Perk is ESPN NBA analyst. Perk, we appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us, brother. Uh, all right, thank you.
He just mentioned it. Every time we talk about Luca, we talk about Trey. Every time we talk mm-hmm. about Trey, we talk about Luca. The problem is neither of these teams have been able to get over the top with their superstars. Why? We'll answer it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. In the NBA particularly, it feels like step one towards achieving greatness is get a superstar. Step two, surround that superstar and win a bunch of games. The problem is two teams with two young superstars just haven't been able to do it. Why? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and this is all on the heels of tonight. We got Hawks and Mavericks, 7.30 p.m. Eastern as part of the ESPN NBA doubleheader. Timberwolves Nuggets, 10 p.m. Eastern, following that up. And it's funny because I just asked Kendrick Perkins, uh, hanging out with us a minute ago, to make me smart for hoop streams tonight. What can I say? And he said, you know, Luca and Trey are forever uh, connected. So these are the games where Trey can remind us the player he is. Well, Part of that, Harry, comes because we constantly have an eye on young players as they develop, not just for their development, but also for the teams. Like These are two teams that have had moments, but they haven't been able to create sustained success. Yeah, when you look at both of these teams, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, first I'll start with, last year making the Western Conference Finals, in which I don't know how they did it, but Luka found a way, and at the same time, they did have a guy in Jalen Brunson that carried some of the load while Luka was hurt a short stint during those playoffs. I look at a team like the Atlanta Hawks, who two years ago made the Eastern Conference Finals before losing to the Milwaukee Bucks, who went on to win the NBA championship. And a lot of people may argue if Trey Young doesn't turn his ankle and, uh, you know, that doesn't hamper the Atlanta Hawks. Because remember, Giannis wasn't 100 percent in that in that series either, that they probably could have went on to the NBA Finals um, and potentially won it. Would they have won it? I don't know. They would have played the Phoenix Suns, and I thought they matched up very well with the Phoenix Suns. Now, a lot of things have transpired since those times for the Atlanta Hawks. They got rid of a ton of guys. They brought in some new players. They got uh, DeJounte Murray, who I really like as a player, adds more of a defensive presence on the end alongside Trey Young. But I look at the series last year against the Miami Heat, right? And for a guy like Trey Young, who was drafted by Lord Pierce, who was the head coach at the time, they're saying, okay, this is a guy that can – possibly mimic what Steph Curry has been able to do in the NBA. Now, granted, he isn't Steph Curry, and he's a little bit smaller than Steph Curry as well, but Steph Curry was able to sustain once he got through his injury history and put that bulk up and be able to withstand the physical part of the game in the NBA. Trey Young, I think, is still leaning towards that. Uh, and, and I blink off that Miami series last, last year because I thought, you know, Trey Young got bullied in that series by, by their entire team, and they didn't have a, a Robin to trace Batman. They have that now, but they still need some more pieces. You look at a guy like John Collins, and John Collins is phenomenal. Phenomenal off the court, does a lot of things in the community, is a great guy. Now, you look at the contract they gave him, and it would raise some eyebrows to me because that's the same John Collins I've seen in that you know Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks that got guarded by Drew Holiday, a point guard in the National Basketball Association. So I just felt like that was other money they could, they could have used 
that they gave to John Collins. But I think they're building now and they're trying to get to a point. You got Landry Fields now, who's now the general manager. And it's crazy because Landry Fields played with my brother with the New York oh, Knicks. Wow. That's crazy. Um, and I think they just signed Cal Corver to be an assistant to, uh, to him. Uh, an assistant GM. So looking forward for bright things in the future. And we all know with the Dallas Mavericks, it's all about being able to get that Robin and watching Jalen Brunson and the way he's been able to play Mm -hmm. for the New York Knicks. Did they let one get away? I believe they did, but I think they need another piece to complement Luka's game. But that speaks to the difference between these two players. We're looking for the the Mavs to find a way to find a Robin. We're looking for the Hawks not only to do that, but for Trey Young to continue to develop. That's why this trade is seen in the way that it's seen, because we've seen that development at this point from Luka now, that we haven't now, necessarily when, when seen. When we say develop, we mean develop in a way of, from a physical standpoint. Right. With Trey Young. Right. There's still questions yes. to be answered about Trey in that sense. Nobody's asking any questions about Luca right now. And that's no. that's just part of the difference in it. We'll keep breaking it down again tonight. 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Hawks, Mavericks. Don't want to miss it. 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, Hoop Streams, wherever you stream your ESPN digital content. If you've ever wondered what goes into the biggest decisions in the NFL, you'll find out next from the expert that sits in the room. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Going to break down the fourth wall again here. You know, it's Fitz and Harry, Jason Fitz, and one Harry Douglas. And look, Harry's got a, a Rolodex that's... Look, my Rolodex might be full of like country music people. His Rolodex is full of football people that are brilliant and wonderful. And he has pulled out his Rolodex unapologetically for us on this. And it's all because of Harry. But we can hear our producer, Evan, as they greet our guests. And Evan just said, hey, to our next guest, thank you so much. I'm calling from Harry Douglas' show. Harry, what's happening here, man? Like, it's our show together. I Okay, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. We're already, uh, somebody's already trying to break us up. This is what happens. Uh, uh, I am incredibly honored to say that we are now joined by Rich McKay, Atlanta Falcons CEO, the chairman of the competition committee. A lot of really interesting things to get to, Rich. Really appreciate your time. I want to start with that competition committee because playoff fans are watching every single snap and there's this constant debate about roughing the passer. Is the competition committee going to look at the roughing the passer rule this year to see if there's a way to improve it? Okay, so let's talk roughing the passer because it was uh, at some point in our season this year we had a game that it became somewhat controversial and it seems to have been talked about since. Number one, um, we, we'll look at, we look at all the big penalties every year and, and it really starts with the survey of the teams. We sent that out. We'll usually get, you know, 28 teams will respond and we ask those the teams very specifically, you know, what are the fouls that are giving you problems this year? What do you want us to look at? Independent of that, we'll still go look at a lot of fouls um, and a lot of different ones, whether it's holding, whether it's roughing the passer, whatever it may be, illegal contact. Every year, we're, we're kind of looking at all those big fouls. In roughing the passer, the one thing that's interesting this year is, you know, in 2021, we had 153 roughing the passer calls. And in 2022, this year, we had 93. So 153 to 93. But there's no question that there's been some big ones this year that people want to talk about and reference. And when that happens, usually that means you go back and examine the tape and say, okay, what can we do from a, you know, a, uh, the standpoint of, of clarifying the rule 
you don't have to change the, the language, but doing it by video. What we really do try to do, too, uh, Jason, is we try to, at the end of the competition committee, give the coaches and players some tape and, and the officials of, hey, this is what should be called. And in this one, we, we stay away from. We try to do that in a lot of big fouls. Um, I, I don't know if we'll do that on roughing the passer this year, but clearly it is one that the public and the teams have read. Now, Rich, I'm going to stay with the competition committee um, and things. Okay, Aaron, you go ahead. Fall <laughs> under, go ahead. underneath those that light. Oh, my, here we go, Rich. <laughs> uh, the, the, the overtime rules, right? Now, Jason Fitz isn't a yep. fan of the new overtime rules. Me under the bus. And, origi- and originally, yes. I wasn't, but. Like Arthur Blank in his book, Good Company, says you have to innovate continuously. Do you think the committee got it right in giving both teams a fair chance to possess the ball if one team scores? Okay, it's been a little while since I've had this debate, so I've got to have to use my memory. Um, So the reason that the the change happened and the the membership, remember, at the end of the day, Harry, uh, 24 out of 32 teams have to vote to support a, a uh, rule proposal, and they don't always do that. Um, it, it does take the supermajority to, to carry the day. And so in our case, in this one, what happened was, I think it's 12 playoff games, I want to say, since we made the last change. And in those 12 playoff games, 10, 10 out of the 12 were, uh, were won by the teams that won the toss. And the thought was just that, you know what, this is the one place. We're not really having a problem in the regular season. Uh, to, to the extent we were having the problem in the playoffs. And the idea was, you know, and especially following that Buffalo game, maybe the place to start is to say, let, let's make sure each team gets a possession regardless of a touchdown. And so that's the change that was made. Um, we'll, see what, we'll see what that means. I will say, to Jason's point, we loved for a long time as a league a sudden death. Uh, what happened with sudden death was a little thing called field goal kickers. Uh, if we looked at the <laughs> difference between when sudden death came in and where we are today, and we looked at their accuracy, <laughs> and we looked at their accuracy from 50 yards, you wouldn't believe it. Um, and that has led, you know, that led to us having to look at these rules over time, because as good a concept as sudden death is, um, that, that was creating a problem where it literally was a kickoff, two first downs, field goal, game over. And um, that, that was not something the membership liked. So, Rich, we're talking to Rich McKay, Atlanta Falcons CEO, chairman of the competition committee. Just hear me out. My, the reason I have been against yep. it is because I feel like it only delays the inevitable. If we live in a world this year where Josh Allen goes down the field, scores a touchdown, and then Patrick Mahomes goes down the field and scores a touchdown, and then Josh Allen does the same thing, we're all going to be yelling the same things we were yelling before. That, that, that was my logic on it. So, you know, but, yep. but I'm also willing to admit that there isn't an easy solution. And I would say to you, too, in that one, because we, we had this debate, that, that very debate that you just brought up, uh, we just thought, first of all, we felt like it was still more fair to the second team in that instance. Second thing was the second team has an option. If, you, if you're worried about the other team, you can go for two, and the game will be decided at that moment. So we just, we just felt like it brought more strategy in and created a little more level playing field and, and just tried to minimize the coin flip.
By the way, Rich, that is an argument I don't have a counter to. You have, That's why you sit in the seat and I sit in this one in front of a, a microphone. So I've, I've talked about these issues a lot. Obviously, whenever we're talking to somebody uh, in the position you're in, it's interesting to talk a little bit about the draft situation, but particularly quarterbacks. We are, we are obsessed as a society about quarterbacks. You guys went through the draft process evaluating quarterbacks last year. Presumably, you go through that process again this year. What's the key in your mind when you are trying to evaluate quarterbacks in a class to figure out who the right fit is i think that um i think fit does matter i think that the coach's um vision for the player matters i think that the the um the tape is is in any player any position don't don't just say quarterback any position the tape is where to start because that, that you know that is the player's resume but then there's so much more than the resume there's so much more into the, the personal uh, habits of the individual uh, the, the work habits of the individual, the, you know, all that, that stuff that requires research by the area scouts and then uh, by GMs and then by coaches. But to me, it is fit, you know, does the player fit in the vision you have for your scheme and how that player is going to be successful in your scheme? Um, and I think that that position that you mentioned, quarterback, has been one that, you know, people say, wow, there's, you know, there's such a misfactor and there's, Hey, listen, there's a misfactor at uh, defensive rush end, too. Um, there's, you know, it, it's not scouting is, is not as easy as, as sometimes we think it is because there are so many variables that go into when you bring that player into your building uh, and you ask that player to do certain things that he wasn't asked to do at the college level. Is he capable of doing it? And uh, that's the beauty of the draft, and that's the beauty of developing players. And I think that. At the quarterback, people act like it, it's much, much harder than it is at other positions. Hey, it's not so easy at other positions either. Rich, I want to talk about your head coach, Arthur Smith, a guy that I think is one of the smartest human beings in the game of football right now. We've seen what he did in year one. We've seen what he did in year two. He's entering year three. Could you tell me the difference that you've seen this season from his first year? Good question, Harry. I would say not, not, not a lot. I think that he came in very well prepared, very well organized. Uh, I, I said this at the end of our game the other day because I, somehow I got trapped into a, a bunch of interviews that I, I, uh, I did. And um, I think the thing I respect most about uh, Arthur and Terry Fontenot it, since they've come in is they had a plan and they had a very clear vision of what the plan looked like. And we had a lot of things we had to work through from a salary cap standpoint. And they have stuck right to their plan. And um, would we like to have won more games this year? Yes. We, we lost some close games that we had a chance to win. Other team beat us. Uh, it, it happens. But they're on target for the plan they laid out. Um, and in building the football team they wanted to build, they gave a very clear vision of this is going to be a physical team. This team's going to have size. This team's going to be able to run the football. And I think what Arthur has done is just continue to um, – go down the path that, that he said he was going to go down when he interviewed for the job and when he took the job. I think that one thing about Arthur, you, you know him, is he's very observant. He, he's always paying attention. He's always talking to other coaches, and he's always willing to incorporate good ideas. Uh, that flexibility, I think, is, is a good trait. We're talking to Rich McKay, Atlanta Falcons CEO, and the Falcons in the news because they would host the potential AFC neutral site championship game. How did Atlanta become the host city for that event? Yeah, it's it, interesting, Jason. I, I I don't know. You'd have to ask the league. Uh, uh, back way back, uh, so let's just go before the season. They send around a form 
that kind of deals with um, the issue of uh, needing uh, venues, right? They have it during the season. Hey, show us every weekend that you have available in case there's a weather incident and we have to move a game as they, as they did this year. Um, so they do that for every week, and then they do it for the postseason. And, um, and we, you know, this happened to be, we are a building that has, you know, 50-plus events, um, major events a year. And so we're not open a lot, but we were open, I guess, and we put ourselves down as open. So I think there were a number of um, venues that the league worked through, and then they literally just called us. And we sat on a call for, I don't know, two hours and went through all the logistical questions they had for us on building operations. And, you know, we, we do this kind of uh, for a living at our building. I mean, we just hosted the semifinal game, uh, which was Georgia and Ohio State. I mean, we host these big events all the time. So we went through that, and then they called us back, I don't know, four days, five days later and said, okay, you guys will be the host city. It, it does take a lot of work. Um, I will say that we have a lot of people – that are at the facility, um, meaning that the stadium today going through a lot of uh, operational items that we have to, we have to get ready for uh, in case the game is played there, but we'll be ready to go and we'll be a good venue. We'll be a good host uh, for Kansas city and Buffalo. If that game ends up being played in Mercedes-Benz stadium. All right. Uh, as always, I, I appreciate I wish we'd have more time so you could have just told me like stories about Harry that I could use against him for the rest of the time. Next time we have you on, if you could just give me all the juice, all the dirt that I could ever get on Harry Douglas, I appreciate it. Rich McKay, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We appreciate it. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Talk to you. See you, Harry. All right, thank you. That's Rich McKay, Atlanta Falcons CEO and the chairman of the competition committee. Good, good get by Harry one, Douglas. One, wonderful human being. Wonderful human being. Family background as well. Everything. I'm close with his son Hunter. Uh, just a great guy all around, across you, the board. You want to like start a group thread there where I can get a little uh, of the goss on Harry Douglas? Like get get Rich McKay to give me a little bit of the, <laughs> what, the good. What smart, good intelligent, physical, hard worker. What else you need? <sighs> It's in Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. Can we like? There's got to be some dirt of like Harry accidentally having a boo boo or something. You know, there's got to be something that, uh, that 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 comes up like a good story of Harry. You know, I, I don't know. Oh, a lot of people have a lot of them. On no, the I, <laughs> I, I loved uh, the the insight though that we just got uh, regarding the league. It's a, really informative to find out that they have essentially already a list in front of them of every place that's available for every weekend throughout the league. I didn't detail know that oriented. Just that's another one. Detail oh, oriented. This is what I'm going to have to do. Want me to keep going? With. Yeah, oh my God. All right. That was the NFL's competition committee head. Uh, Harry Passionate. apparently is going to be the head of our selection committee. It's time for us to vote on who the top four teams in the NFL actually are. We'll do that next. It's the Harry Douglas Show featuring Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. <laughs> Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 